0: Ministries Canada. For the next half hour, your hearts will be filled with hope as you hear real-life stories from individuals that have been changed by the power of God. Enjoy the show.
1: Hi, welcome to Refuge Freedom Stories. I'm your guest host, Johnny T. My guest tonight is Cat Sharp. After decades of yo-yo dieting, emotional eating, and binge eating, Cat stopped seeking answers in the world and started seeking them in God's Word. As a result, Cat has lost over 100 pounds and is now a certified life coach with a passion for helping Christian women break the shame of the diet cycle and find peace and health in their bodies. She believes that the principles of caring for our physical bodies are beautiful, many representations of the concept of discipleship. How are you doing tonight, Kat?
2: I am fantastic. Thank you so much for having me, Johnny.
1: Yeah, it's awesome to have you here. So tell me about your journey. Tell me how you got to know God and how things started like that. You talk about emotional eating and binge eating. I don't know very much about that personally, but what I understand is that those kinds of activities in someone's life are usually birthed out of some kind of pain or some kind of things that have happened in their life. So tell us about your journey and how God met you to set you on that path of restoration.
2: Absolutely. I actually grew up in a good, solid Christian home. My father has been a missionary Baptist pastor since I was, I think, eight, just recently retired and getting to rest. So (laughs) I was saved at a young age, baptized as a preteen. So I knew the salvation of Jesus Christ. Mm. But then I turned 18 and decided I was going to do things my own way. I moved out of the family home, moved halfway across the country, married a man who was definitely not the Lord's will for me. And I can say that with full confidence because I remember that whisper of the Holy Spirit before walking down the aisle Mm. and I shoved it down. It was like, no, no, I fought to be here. I argued with my family about this because the people who loved me were telling me, I'm not sure this is the right plan for you. Great guy, but this this doesn't seem right. And I argued and fought, but I love him. And what followed was several years, about a decade of complete defiance in mm. the face of my heavenly father, as any Christian knows. When we defy our Heavenly Father with the Holy Spirit inside, we are miserable. There's that loving conviction that draws us, and I was running from it. Years and years of ignoring and running from the Word of God, the influence of God, the whispers of the Lord, refused to obey. And I spent about 11 years in severe clinical depression and anxiety that relationship ended up being emotionally abusive. I was not living a godly life and he did not know Jesus. And so he had no reason to know how to live like Christian. And I turned to food in that time. My family lived halfway across the country. I felt very alone. I was in this relationship where he never laid a hand on me, but there was a lot of manipulation and terrible, hateful, cruel words and actions. I was seeing a counselor and a psychiatrist and I was on medications. I cried and slept. If I was not at work, I was crying or sleeping. That time of my life, my girls were babies and I missed so much joy because I was in such pain. Mm. And in that pain, I felt shame. I did this to myself. This is my own fault because I did not obey the Lord. I found myself in this situation. I just assumed that I had earned a lifelong marriage with a man that was not very nice to me and I would be happy in heaven after I died. Mm -hmm. That was what I thought was going to happen.
1: So you'd lost all hope, essentially,
2: all of all hope. And when you go through years and years and years of depression and medications and trying to cope with things outside of God's will, eventually the pain gives way to nothing. I truly felt dead. Mm -hmm. I felt it was completely dark. There was nothing around me. There's a song that the Lord has blessed my heart with so much over the last few years. I'm trying to remember exactly how it goes, but basically it says, when I can't feel you, I've learned that I can reach out just the same. It's called Faithful, and I believe it's by Brooke Frazier. I like to give credit where credit is due, but that's how I felt. I felt completely and totally alone, and I had forgotten that I could still reach out to my Heavenly Father because He hadn't left me. I was running from Him, and I had buried myself into this little hole, and I felt dead all the time. I felt numb, nothing, no pain, no joy, nothing. But sometimes if I ate large amounts of food, typically sugar, brownies in particular, Mm -hmm. and when I say large amounts, I mean a nine by 13 pan, a full pan by myself, and there's a chemical reaction that happens in your brain, and I would feel just a little bit of energy, I would feel something. And so you don't start with a nine by 13 pan of brownies. You start with like a few brownies and then over time you need more and more and more of that habit to get that same reaction. And so that's what happened before long. I was eating full nine by 13 pans of brownies for dessert after large amounts of dinner, because that was the only thing that led to any kind of feeling. And I was seeking anything except for my Lord and years went by my first husband has now passed away. I am married to my best friend. Our girls are grown. We just had our first grandbaby two weeks ago.
1: Congratulations.
2: Thank you. And it took a lot of prayer and study to realize that hole that I was climbing into, the reason that it felt so dark and empty there is because that's a God-sized, God-shaped hole. And I was trying to shove brownies in it to fill it. Brownies do not fill a God-sized, God-shaped <laughs> hole. When I finally did return to the Lord and return to Him in repentance and submission and thankfulness that He never, ever, ever left me, He protected me in so many ways, so many ways. I was still binge eating. When I had a bad day, I would still turn to food. When I had a rough day at work, if I had, you know, a rough day with the kids, preteens, you know, you can imagine we had three in the household at a time. So it was always an emotional day. I would turn to sugar. And our church started a recovery program. Hmm. And as part of our praise team, I thought that I would help. And I helped run worship for that ministry and considered myself support staff for that ministry. And what I did not know was that the Lord was getting ready to flip my life upside down. As I'm listening to the stories of people talk about their history with addiction and they would say things like, I would bargain with the Lord or I'd bargain with myself, I'll, I'll only use on weekend or I'll only use this, but never that or I'll never use more than this or I'll never use unless I'm with friends. My mind was just like, I have said every single one of those things about sugar. Mm -hmm. every single one of those things. And there was a time that my husband was an over-the-road truck driver. So he was gone for several months and I had a really, really bad day at work. And I had already decided I was going to kick sugar, right? Like I'm just going to go cold turkey. We're not going to have sugar in the house. There was no sugar in the house, but I had a bad day and I was beside myself. Put the kids to bed and I started tearing things out of the cabinet. Like I flung open the pantry and I just start throwing (laughs) things out. My kitchen table and my floor was covered in, boxes and cans and I'm searching for anything with sugar in it. And I live in the house that we grew up in, but my sister lived here before I did. And when she moved, the girl can cook. Now she is such an amazing cook. And I thought, let me look in the cabinet where she used to keep her baking stuff. There might be something back there. Keep in mind, I'd lived in this house for years and years and years. There's no telling Mm -hmm. how old that stuff was. I got in the cabinet on my stomach and crawled in and reached my hand back digging for anything with sugar in it. And I found a Ziploc bag with just a teeny tiny bit of powdered sugar. Mm. And I dumped it in a bowl. I added like a tablespoon of milk, whisked it together, and I drank it. And I sat in my kitchen floor crying with that bowl in my lap what has happened to me? I don't even know. How did I get here? There has to be something wrong with me. And in that moment, he spoke to me that it wasn't that there was something wrong with me. There was something wrong with the way I was trying to manage my emotions. I was not seeking him. I was seeking sugar for something that only he can offer. And I turned my eating habit over to the Lord. And I entered that recovery program and I got my chip and I had my accountability partner Nobody else in the group was going through sugar addiction. So I didn't have an official sponsor. (laughs) I was going to
1: say, you're sitting in a room and you're saying, oh yeah, my name's Bill. I'm addicted to Coke. And my name's Fred and I'm addicted to crack. Oh, my name's Kat. I'm addicted to sugar.
2: I'll never but forget it, the
1: principles are the same. It, it's absolutely, addiction.
2: Absolutely yeah. are. And it was so funny. There was a, a woman who joined the very first week and she was joking about needing to go out for dinner or something after this was a really hard meeting. And everybody kind of giggled and looked at me and I'm like, what? I never said she can't have brownies. I'm just not supposed to eat brownies. And she said, mm-hmm. why are we talking about brownies? And I said, hi, I'm Pat. I'm addicted to sugar. <laughs> she was like, I'm so sorry. And I said, Oh, honey, what the Lord has put on my life is not what he's put on yours. This was my coping mechanism that needed to change. But Oh, my goodness, when you turn over something as simple as what you put in your mouth, I've learned so much about our Heavenly Father from the way that he loves me through that journey. And the concept of dying to self dying to fleshly desires was made very real for me in that journey. And for three and a half years, I did not have any form of sugar. That's a lot of reading labels, a lot of because it, it's in everything.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: We we've given it a million different names and they all look fancy, but sugar is sugar. And let me tell you, he has a sense of humor because my accountability partner was probably five one and maybe weighed ninety two pounds, like teeny tiny girl who could eat anything and everything. And she became one of my best friends, and I just love her still to this day. And I said, that's not funny, God. That's not funny at all. <laughs> Here I am. I was over three hundred pounds at wow. this point, and I'm still turning to sugar for my emotional stability. And he gave me this teeny tiny spitfire of a girl to be my accountability partner. And he knew I needed her.
1: He always knows what we need, doesn't he?
2: He does.
1: You said, though, that sugar is like a small thing, but in your life, it wasn't. And, you know, people that are listening are going to say, oh. I'm not addicted to sugar. I don't have to worry about that. But maybe they're addicted to shopping or maybe they're mm-hmm. addicted to, you know, alcohol or maybe, they, or who knows? Or maybe they're addicted to watching soap operas. I don't know. But it can be anything. But the mm-hmm. principles and the ways that the enemy tries to tear us down and put something in between us and our Heavenly Father, his tactics never change.
2: That's exactly right. That's exactly right. It's all a matter of a counterfeit. You know, the Lord wants to fill our every need and waiting to do that. But we look for man-made things to fill the holes in our lives and in our heart. I still have to be very, very mindful of my eating habits. I have to be mindful of my sleeping habits. I have to be mindful of my TV habits, because at any point, if I let my guard down, I can build an idol out of one of those things very, very easily. And that's what I had done with with sugar. I had created an idol out of it and not just an idol, but I had built a stronghold and protected it with excuses and reasons why it was okay. And it was life-changing and it all started with shame. It started because I was so ashamed of the decisions I had made and allowing the enemy to convince me that there was something wrong with me. When my Bible tells me that shame is not of my heavenly father, Mm -hmm. that he convicts my heart in love, but Mm -hmm. never to tell me there's something wrong with you, always to draw me back to him and kind of recalibrate my heart along his will. And I allowed the enemy to convince me that there was nothing worth saving. There was nothing I was beyond hope.
1: So how has he used that to reach out to the people around you? Because obviously, there would have seen the change in your life, not just physically, but emotionally and, you know, spiritually, what kind of doors opened up to you because of that?
2: We are in a society that focuses a lot on weight and a lot on health. And I say that with air quotes, because it's more about appearance. Mm -hmm. And we spend a lot of time telling women that there's something wrong with them unless they do this. And I feel called to tell women that God does not care about the size of your butt. You know, it's not (laughs) about the number on the scale. It's about the way that we steward what we've been given. But I do not have to earn my place with Jesus that Yes, I may follow a plan to bring my body down to a healthy weight so I can take care of the resource I've been given, but following the plan itself has become an idol for so many women because we've been told we have to, that that's the only thing that will secure our status as lovable or worthy of the life we've been given I've had so many clients who actually think that they're failing because they ate too much for dinner one night. And I'm like, your body will tell you what it needs. The heavenly father created my body. And whenever I stop looking to the world for answers. And I start digging in his word and praying for wisdom over the body he's created. And I, and I pray, Lord, I want to steward what you've given me properly for your glory. He gives me the wisdom that I need. And there are so many women trapped in that diet mentality and it breaks my heart. And so that's what I feel like I've been called to do is to help women break those chains of idolatry and slavery to that mindset of, I have to earn my status. And that's what the diet is. Mentality can be. I'm, like I said, I'm still following a plan to bring my body to a healthy weight. But instead of following because I have to, I'm following it out of gratitude for what I've been given. I was told by a doctor that I would be in a wheelchair by the time I was 40 because I was overweight and I had absolutely no strength in my back. I am 44 and I'm not in a wheelchair. Because the Lord has given me the wisdom to move my body and the desire to worship Him through movement. And I'm thankful because there was a time in my life I couldn't. And now I move to celebrate the body I've been given, not beat it up and punish it for brownies.
1: <laughs> well, He tells us that He'll give us uh, wings like eagles, you know, when we're walking in His way. And it's interesting that you talk about what a beautiful woman looks like or mm-hmm. something, what the world says a beautiful woman is, right? Inside yeah. and out. And, you know, the Bible tells us that the enemy uses, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life Mm -hmm. as tools against us, men and women, right? To tear us down and to beat us down. We all know, maybe we don't all know, that we're made in God's image, Mm -hmm. you know? And he he knew us before he created us in our mother's wombs. And we're all individuals. We're all an expression of God. And I think that's important, that message that you have, not just for women, but for men, Mm -hmm. that we're individuals that are created by our loving Father, for a purpose and we're unique, and it's important that we come to understand that because it's freeing, there's freedom in that.
2: Oh, my goodness, there is so much freedom. And when I sit before you, I am still at an overweight number on the scale. It's very, very strange to me. Sometimes the enemy still tells me you don't want to tell people that you're a weight loss coach for Christian women because then people are like, What's the fat girl doing coaching women in weight loss? But when God makes a plan. He puts it into action and he puts it before me. There are women like me who need to hear what the Lord has done for me. And so I open, I, I tell my story. I mentioned that my husband passed away and I did not live in a manner that he had any reason to want to know more about Jesus. When he was alive, I did not live a life becoming a Christian. And every time I start to think, I don't want to tell my story. I don't want to invite that person to church. I don't want to ask that person if they know Jesus Christ. I see my ex-husband's face and I cannot hold someone's freedom hostage in my mouth because Satan has convinced me that I have nothing to share because that's exactly what's happening. If I keep my mouth closed, I do not want to hold somebody's eternity hostage in my mouth and changing the way that we manage our emotions is hugely powerful. And the Bible gives us great examples of how to do that. I mean, the Psalms has just been so good for me Mm -hmm. when I turn to food or when I want to turn to food, I go to Psalms.
1: There's so much truth in what you just said. You know, we have to realize that we live in a lost world and Mm -hmm. our days are short, right? When we pass away, we're going to go stand before the Lord and he's going to talk to us. Mm -hmm. You know, he's either going to welcome us in because we know him and we're saved or he's going to say, I don't know you, right? And then we're going to have a chat about the things that we've done in this life. Yeah. Yeah. So it's so important that we share our faith with those around us and our family and our friends and and be bold about it. Don't worry about what people think. I mean, I I don't mean you need to be aggressive in your faith, but I mean, you certainly should never hide your faith. Mm -hmm. You know, everything that we do and say should represent Christ to the best of our ability and leaning upon him allows us to do that, just to, to be that vessel for him. You were talking about the shortness of life. Like, I'm already past my midweek work hump. I'm already past the Wednesday of my midweek work. You know what I mean?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, ever since then, I've, I've said, you know what? I'm not, not that I was ever ashamed of telling people about Jesus before, but maybe I just wasn't as cognizant of what God was prompting me to do and to listen. So, yeah. it's been a different journey since that point in time. So, I really get what you're saying about being aware of what God wants you to say to people and do and, and so mm-hmm. on and so on. So, If you were going to leave our audience with one thought about God, somebody comes to you and says, I'm going to give you three minutes for you to tell me why I should believe in your Jesus. What would you say to them?
2: One thing that it took me years to understand fully is that Jesus loved me, like you said before, at my worst. Before I even knew everything that I was doing was against his will that was so defiant to him, he still loved me in my sinful state. And he sacrificed himself for me even while I was in that state. But what he did for me made me new. So what I was yesterday and last week and 10 years ago and all the mistakes that I made and the stupid decisions that I made, I do not have to do that anymore. I am new. In my case, I medicated my negative emotions with a pan of brownies, but now I can do new things because Jesus has made me new. So whatever it is that somebody thinks they can't bring to Jesus, what he has done has already made it possible for you to be new. If you don't know him, nothing else matters
1: nothing else matters. I agree 100%. We all bring things with us when we come to know the Lord. So and he already knows what they are.
2: <laughs> you right. know? We're not going to surprise them. Yeah. <laughs> you know?
1: It's just that pride of life. thing. you know, some people just yeah. don't want to bow their heart to the Lord because maybe they feel shame, like you talked about earlier, or pride, or somebody's watching them maybe walk up to the front of a church. Who knows? Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being on our show. It's been a pleasure talking to you and hearing about what God's done in your life. Just awesome. And I certainly want to bless you for what God's doing in your life and look forward to maybe talking to you again in the future.
2: Thank you so much, Johnny. This has been an honor. God
1: bless.
0: I can do easy I can do hard I can do light I can do heavy Heart of mine Don't fail me now Oh no The road don't run down on me Cause in a mile or two I'm gonna shake, I'm gonna shake i Agora... Gonna find that solid ground where